0: Turn to Acts chapter six. This morning we're going to look at a another individual in Scripture. One actually we've referenced him a couple of times. And looking at some of the others, as we've looked at the wild man of Gadara, we've looked at Andrew, uh, we've looked at a number of different individuals in Scripture. Really, for the purpose of us seeing. That God uses normal people to do extra normal things, extraordinary things. You know, too often we can look at Scripture and, and we look at it as that these are some extra spiritual people that God imparted uh, some uh, extra measure of grace or whatnot to, uh, to empower them, when all that they were empowered with is exactly what is available to us today as born again believers. All that was available to them, uh, they chose to uh, accept and follow or to reject uh, and not follow or to uh, obey partly uh, and disobey partly, all the exact same decisions that we make today. Today though, uh, we have a lot more distractions around us. We have a lot more easy distractions at, at our fingertips Uh, that keep us from uh, completely adhering to and trusting in the Lord. But that's exactly why the Lord said that in the last days perilous times shall come. And he lists that whole litany of of items that are evident in humanity uh, that are making it worse and worse. But the answer to all of it is the exact same. The inspiration of God's word preaching the word of God, proclaiming the word of God, living and following the word of God is the answer uh, to all of the situations, and circumstances that we face. Uh, But here in Acts chapter 6, there's a key word of this individual that uh, the word is full. You know, we're all... Filled. We're all filled with fluids. We're filled with blood. Uh, After a meal, our stomachs are filled oftentimes. Uh, But we're also, we can be filled with hatred. We can be filled with false teaching. We can be filled with pride. We can be filled with greed, self, compassion, uh, love, respect. Uh, We can be filled with a lot of things and we can be consumed and controlled by a lot of things. And we ask the question, though, what makes ordinary people do extraordinary things? Um, you know, we see it in the news. You know, you'll, always, you'll read an account of somebody coming upon an accident and, and people, just normal people, have an extraordinary strength and ability to, to roll a car off or open a door or drag somebody out of a fire. Uh, people that do extraordinary things when suddenly from an adrenaline rush and they're able to save their children from drowning or from a fire or whatever the case and some perish trying to do the same you know there's lots of extraordinary acts uh, in the Bible for us um, and here in Acts chapter 6 and 7 uh, we see here the, uh, the acts of the of the church the early days of the church You know, the early church is exploding in growth. In Acts chapter 1, uh, there was 120 people uh, who prayed for God's power. Uh, In 2, we see uh, Pentecost, 3,000 are converted uh, and baptized. In Acts chapter 4, we see there's 5,000 who are saved. In Acts chapter 5, we see uh, multitudes of men and women are added to the Lord, it tells to us. And so there's lots of people that are coming to, to the Lord. Lots of people that are uh, making up this new fledgling church, this body of Christ that has been going on. One person said, when God's work progresses, there's two assurances, challenges within and critics without. When God's word progresses, there's two assurances challenges within and critics without and that still rings true today well here in Acts chapter 6 both of those are evident uh, in Acts 6 the apostles are busy preaching and praying uh, but other needs are going unmet and it led them to appoint seven men uh, to assist with the daily needs of the people and one of those seven men was Stephen and we've referenced him a number of times uh, who by the end of uh, chapter 6 had riled the critics to bring false accusations against him. He didn't just, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a mild manner, uh, just allow it to go, but he was a mouthpiece for the Lord. Stephen was never known as a priest or a prophet. Uh, Stephen was a servant, and his service stood out amongst his peers. He was a layman who boldly preached in Acts chapter 7, uh, he preached the pointed history lesson of Israel's resistance to God's plan for their lives. Uh, if you read Acts chapter 7, we're not going to read it in its entirety today, but we see the history uh, that he gives. Uh, in fact, we're going to read uh, here a beginning of Acts chapter 6, and uh, then we'll flip over uh, to Acts Chapter Seven, so if you look at Acts chapter six uh, verse one, just to give you a little bit uh, of this background clearly from uh, scripture, it says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suburned men. Which said, "We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God." And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. You know, it's interesting. Once again, as you know, we see Daniel and others, uh, Joseph, those that uh, folks that are against them. What do they try? What's the only thing they can convict them of? The truth, standing for God standing for his holiness, his righteousness, standing upon his word. And here they come, and, and as they, it says they got men, well, they, they got witnesses to say what they wanted them to say. Of course, this is a practice we still see in, in politics and, and other things today. We always, if we have uh, an opinion, if we have a stand, uh, we try to find people that are going to back us up. Whether we're right or wrong, we try to get somebody who's going to back me up and, 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 and prove that I am right because that's all that matters is we want to be right in our eyes and in our flesh today. You know, Stephen, as he went through this and then through uh, the rest of chapter 6 and through chapter 7... Uh, he begins and he gives, he, he preaches to them. He gives them this history lesson, uh, you know, through Joseph and Moses and, and the prophet that they raised up. And he comes down to verse 51 of chapter 7, and he says, "'Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in, uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted?' And they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now, have been now the betrayers and murderers, which is Jesus, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold... I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here he declares to them, they responded to him, and these verses are both tragic and beautiful all at the same time. Tragic from a human standpoint because Stephen died the most cruelest of deaths. Stoning was not just a dump truck dumping pebbles on him. It was taking stones. He would have been in a pit. They would have been in a place uh, above him. They would have been uh, taking rocks uh, that they could uh, still lift up and get some momentum going down. And it took a multitude of people to do it. And they themselves threw the stones that crushed him. If you've ever dropped a rock on your foot or your finger and you think about a large boulder something that you could lift above your head and smashing it down on another human being that's exactly what they did it is both tragic and beautiful but at the same time what do we know about this first martyr of the church Uh, we don't know when he was saved we don't know what his family background was. We don't know how old he was. We don't know if he was married, if he had children, we don't know what his education was. Uh, we didn't know where did he live, uh what was his occupation, you know, was he quiet, shy, outgoing, what was his natural demeanor? We don't know any of those things. He went from being a face in the crowd to a recorded champion for Christ. He went from becoming somebody that, uh, that his peers knew and they recognized a godly character in him and they recommended him for one to go and be with the disciples, uh, one who would serve in an official capacity. And why did they recognize that? Because of the character that he had. Because of the following that he did. You know, what kind of person was he that God would use him what kind of person is willing to fulfill that role and stand for Christ unto death? You know, what kind of person is willing uh, to do that in spite of knowing exactly what's coming? He didn't back up or back out. You know, I wonder how many, how many Christians, how many disciples there were in similar situations that it's not recorded for us because they said, Whoa, 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 hold on. I mean, yeah, you know, but let's not go that far. But the Lord recorded for us those faithful few that trusted in him with all of their heart, who followed him wholly and completely. And I think most of us, we've said it before, I think most of us, when whether you uh, read a story, see a film, hear exploits of heroes on the battlefield, I would dare say that the vast majority of a people that when we read a, a magnificent, or we see a, a, a story of somebody who, who steps up in a manner of uh, heroism, we assume that we would be one of those people that would stand up. But yet then we see stories in in big cities and and you can watch news accounts and you can see it on YouTube and and other things. People that are being beaten and abused on public streets in the middle of the day and people are walking around and watching. Some are videotaping and trying to get a, a view of this but nobody steps in to help. And yet so many of us think that we're gonna be that one to stand up. You know, recently there was um, on a news website, uh, police officer, I don't know where it was at, in in some city, some place, and was arresting somebody who uh, had done art robbery or something. And then it's the video. there's people standing around videoing while this cop is, is wrestling with this person, and another person is there trying to help, but he wasn't much help, and the cop is wrestling, and this person on the ground kept trying to grab his gun, and the, and the cop is struggling. And one of the people standing around videotaping is a guard. I don't know where a guard for what, but a uniform guard. and that person was videotaping with their phone. And the cop yells, he said, Stop videotaping and help me. And then the video ends, so I don't know exactly what happened. But that's oftentimes what happens in humanity. And so, what makes one person do something extraordinary? Well, the one thing we do know about Stephen uh, that helps us understand his courage, and that is the one consistent word that's used. You know, in Acts chapter 6 verse 3 it said they sought out men full of the holy ghost and wisdom in verse 5 it says they chose stephen a man full of the holy ghost in acts 6 verse 8 it says stephen was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles in acts chapter 7 verse 55 it says but he being full of the holy ghost looked up You know, we're familiar with faith, we're familiar with the Holy Spirit, we're familiar with power and good works, uh, our circumstances that we know, but you know, the, the, the word that ties it all together is the word full. He was full of faith, the Holy Spirit, power, good works. To be full of something means to be empty of something else, you know. I don't know how many times I see in our house a cloudy glass of water. Somebody's drank a glass of milk and then there's a little bit of milk remnant in the bottom of the glass and they get a glass of water and it doesn't look like very appealing water to me when it's cloudy with milk that's in there. But that means that that glass is not full of water because there's a remnant of milk in it. And it clouds the water. You know, when you fill your gas tank on your car, your gas tank, it might get down to a quarter of a tank. And, and, you know, just a friendly reminder, don't let your gas tank get below a quarter of a tank. You know, as as my grandma and grandpa used to say, you know, the, the vehicle runs just as good on the top half of the tank as it does on the bottom half. And if you get too far to the bottom half, it doesn't run at all. Uh, So that's a public service announcement here in the middle of our morning message. But you know, when your tank gets down to a quarter of a tank and you say, oh, I only have a quarter of a tank of gas. Yeah, but you have three quarters of a tank of air. It is never completely empty. Whatever is partially in it, there's still something else there. And, and, And the whole idea here is to be full. When you fill your tank up, all the air goes out, and it is now filled with gasoline. Well, we are all filled. And the Lord has given us clear choices in what we're to be filled with, who we're to be filled, how we are to be filled. But in Stephen, it says that he was full of faith, number one. Full of faith, which means he was empty of doubt. He was full of faith, full of trust. He was full of faith in who? In the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He was filled with faith that, in God's promises. He was filled with faith in Jesus' message. He was filled with faith of the good news. He had seen and heard of Jesus and the gospel message. But what about us? You see, Stephen... He trusted God without reservation. We see that in the short account of his life in in these couple of chapters. He trusted God without reservation. Jesus gave of himself, uh, submitted himself as a servant even unto death. And who are we to follow? Jesus. Whose example are we to follow? Jesus. Whose testimony are we to mimic? Jesus. Whose lifestyle are we to be consumed with and by? Jesus, the one who indwells us. He was full of faith. The question we must ask ourselves, do we say we have faith but rely upon our own experience and our own understanding? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That same idea there with all of your heart mean in its entirety that your heart, the most inward part of who you are, is completely filled with trusting in God. And when we are full of faith, we are empty of doubt. We are empty of doubt that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is going to do what he's promised to do, that Jesus, as we see, if you've been born again, you've seen his deliverance. You've seen his victory over sin. You've seen the power that he's given, but yet when we're not full of faith, which we must be continually filling up the tank, so that we're removing doubt as we're filled with the Word of God, as we're filled with trusting in God, as we're growing in his grace and knowledge, and and doubt continues to move. You know, I've said before, as you know, a couple weeks ago as we were sending off the the Patzers to uh, bible college i said it's much easier for me today to talk about stepping out of a comfort zone and going off into the unknown and stepping out in faith because i can look back now and see but 20 plus years ago looking forward was a lot less certain My faith and trust, our faith and trust, has been built and developed over time as you take those steps and you look back and you say, oh, God has been. Oh, wait, the River Jordan has been drying up along the way. Hey, he has been providing. And so when I look forward now and I see more and more of God's promises, I said, I know that he is faithful. And we grow in faith. You know, any speck of doubt in our heart will cause us to cave in when called upon to have courage. The doubt can override our trust and our faith in such a quick manner. Any speck can cause it, just like that glass of water. All there needs to be is just a little bit of milk in the bottom, in, the, in that little cup, in the bottom of a cup. And you put water in there, and that water is going to be Cloudy. But if you rinse it out and dump it out and fill it with water, it's going to be filled with water. There is no speck because that speck of doubt permeates all of what we call faith. And we end up having doubt. Stephen was full of faith. He did not doubt. He preached as they arrested him and he preached and he proclaimed boldly. Hey, here's here's our history. Here's all that you've done in in killing the prophets and in despising them and rejecting them. And now the Messiah has come and you have despised, you've rejected, you've put him to death. And that's what he says there in verse 51 of chapter 7. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Full of faith. And he could boldly say, you're resisting the Holy Ghost. You're resisting the Holy Spirit, who is trying to teach and instruct. But second, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And to be full of the Holy Ghost is to be empty of the flesh. Why does the Lord tell us over and over to mortify our members, to die to self daily, to take up our cross daily and follow him? Well, because our flesh is ever there. Our flesh is ever battling against the Spirit. Our flesh is ever desiring to please itself. Our flesh is forever wanting to just have some downtime, to just have some me time, to just have some entertainment time, to just have some time that makes me feel better. And the Holy Spirit doesn't always make the flesh feel good doing God's will doesn't always make the flesh feel right and it's always a battle Ephesians 5 verse 18 says be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit be not filled with anything else that is going to take away that's going to dull our senses in following the Holy Spirit in surrendering to the Holy Spirit in following the leading that God has for us. Don't allow anything in your life. It's not just alcohol. It's not just drugs, illegal and and legal. It's other things. We can be filled with a drive and desire for more stuff. We can be filled with a drive and desire for, for prestige, for a position, for acknowledgement. We can be filled with a desire for something in life that seems to be fleeting and never satisfied and we're not filled with the Holy Ghost because we're still longing and searching and reaching for something else that's going to satisfy. We, we're not satisfied with the Holy Spirit. Um, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse uh, 17 says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would you know we say one moment we say that you know i believe i'll stand in trial and temptation and fully intend to but we fall because we're not full of the spirit and still allow the flesh to control certain areas there's are still areas of our life that we haven't given complete access to the Holy Spirit. Those areas that we still want to control. and if You, you, know, you can you know, look at the works of the flesh there in Galatians chapter 5 after that. But you also look at the fruit of the Spirit that comes when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, he uh, says in verse 18, If you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, and he lists them all, and, and he goes down, and then in verse 22 he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, against temperance, against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be, dev- be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Where our filling comes from. Stephen was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. And as a result, his focus was unwavering. That regardless of him being taken into prison, regardless of them mocking him, regardless of them despising him, he had full and complete peace. Why? Because he knew that he was living and dwelling and abiding in the body of Christ. He knew full well that God's promises that had been fulfilled to this point were yet to be fulfilled. And he knew full well to be absent from the body, was to be present with the Lord, and his focus was all directed and guided by the Holy Spirit. He was filled, filled with faith, filled with the Holy Ghost. But then uh, verse 8 of chapter 6 says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. He was full of faith, full of power and good works full of those things that were going to be beneficial to others, just like Jesus. Did Jesus do anything that's detrimental to humanity? No. What did Jesus do? He continually gave of himself. And to be full of power and good works means to be empty of personal agenda. You know, Too many people have a personal agenda of what they think their life should look like rather than just simply surrendering and submitting to what the Lord would have. You know, the disciples didn't understand Jesus going out of the way to minister to others and to give up personal needs. They did not understand it. He says in uh, John chapter 4, Verse 34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Well, what is our meat? You know, they're saying, Lord, what are we going to eat? And he said, hey, my meat, you know, my fulfillment, you know, that which fulfills me is to do the will of the one that sent me. Is what is more important in your life than fulfilling what the Lord has given you to do? What are we to do? Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. What are we to do? We're to mortify our members. We're to live for Him. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to glorify God. We're to grow in His grace and His knowledge. We're to grow in His wisdom and His discernment. We are to apply His love. We are to exemplify His testimony. You know, Paul came to the place of fullness in Galatians chapter 2. You know, as we see there in in, uh, Acts, at the end of chapter 7, the beginning of chapter 8, Saul was consenting unto his death because there was great persecution. And I wonder what an impact that this may have had on him as Saul uh, saw this and saw this measure of faith. I wonder if he remembered that as he was on the way to Damascus when the Lord came and spoke to him and Saul was delivered and ultimately became Paul. And as he was blinded and then he was, went to Annas and, had his, and his sight was revealed and, and he himself had to be lowered in a basket to escape with his life so that he wouldn't be killed. I wonder how often he went back and remembered this time with Stephen. Stephen. Boy, how strong he was in God's grace. What faith he had. And I wonder after, after Saul was saved, I wonder how often he remembered Stephen's faith. And I wonder what a challenge that was to him as he saw the Stephen. Stephen, the one who was full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost and full of power and miracles and good works. Why was he filled that way? Because it's what he chose. He chose not to leave a little milk in the glass. He chose to follow what the Lord said and empty himself of self. He chose to follow God's way and to be filled with his word, to be filled with his goodness, to be filled with his righteousness, to be filled with his glory, to be filled with serving him with every ounce of his being. Because look over at Ephesians chapter three, you know, as we see, remind you again of of Paul's prayer. I think this is something that should be read. I think all of us should be reading it every day, at least every Sunday. Here, as Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, and thus it's the same prayer and the necessity for us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, "...in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him." Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Now, Paul's going through tribulation. Paul's in prison. Paul had been there with Stephen. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded, in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God same word filled with the fullness of God same word that means to level a hollow it means to cram a net just like Peter experienced as he went back fishing after the Lord was, uh, was uh, uh, buried and, and resurrected and hadn't seen, and he went back to fishing, and their net was overflowed and it broke. It's the idea, it was filled. Completely full. Just as we've used with making a cup of flour and you level it off, there's nothing else in it. And that's what Paul was praying for, that ye, ye believers, you disciples, you followers of Christ, that you yourself would know and understand what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. Stephen was there. Saul, at the time, as he was consenting unto his death, not even close. Saul thought he was doing great things for God until he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus... He learned and knew and saw the message that he had and from that day forward as he went and spent time in the wilderness as he spent time growing and praying and, and rehearsing and, and dying to self and being renewed in the spirit of his mind and putting on the new man which is christ and as paul the apostle came back and began ministering he had the same focus as stephen beaten shipwrecked abused imprisoned on and on and on but at all i believe i believe that he was greatly challenged because of this faithful obscure servant just a face in the crowd but others recognize that hey he's a follower of jesus Hey, he's already a servant Hey, look at the work that he's doing. I mean, he's faithful. You know, he is, he is consistent. You know, no matter where I see him, he's the same. No matter what crowd he's with, he's the same. Uh, no matter what's going on, he's the same. He trusts the Lord. He lives for the Lord. He's not two-faced. He's not wishy-washy. That's a man filled. Filled with faith. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with power and good works. Because he was filled with with what God intended for him to be filled with. The same opportunity that is available to us today. You may be here and maybe there hasn't been a time when you yourself know for certain that you've been born again. Maybe you haven't uh, experienced and understood God's free gift of salvation for you. Well, I encourage you today to let one of us take a Bible and show you God's plan of eternal life. God's free gift for you. But assuming that the vast majority in here are born again, are you? have you just been content with the knowledge that you're saved? Because we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. This free gift that He paid the ultimate price for us, well, it didn't come free to Him, and the expectation isn't free to us. The expectation is if, if we're accepting His gift, if we're... Transferred into his family, adopted into his family, his expectations have exponentially increased. And he expects us. That's why he's given us these instructions. Our Father's instructions to us die to self, live for him. Empty of self. To put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of our mind through the word, through prayer be filled with his goodness and put on the new man which after christ walks in holiness and is filled with his goodness and his good works the choice is ours i said we must let the unsaved know they have a choice well every born again believer we have a choice every single day we're going to live for self or live for god we're going to let self live and god die I said before, we look at at Jesus and Barabbas as they stood with with Pontius Pilate. And he said, whom will ye that I release unto you? The one who's been stealing and killing and has been in prison and, and this notable prisoner or this one here that's been spending his entire ministry giving to you, helping you, doing miracles and healing. And amazingly, they said, release Barabbas. And I say, that's the same choice we make every single day. When I say that I'm not going to die to self, I'm saying release Barabbas, crucify Jesus, because I don't want to live for him. When I say, yeah, well, I'm just going to do that sin anyway, I'm saying release Barabbas and crucify Jesus, because I don't want to live for him. I don't want that. We make choices. Stephen made choices to be filled and the key word was filled and so the challenge for us today is what are we filled with what is hindering us from being filled with faith and the Holy Ghost and power and good works and whatever it is the Lord's gonna reveal it to us if we're open honest with ourselves and with him and then we have a choice I can confess and forsake or I can say "Ah, never mind you know I mean hey, three-fourths filled i'm pretty good yeah i just want to have a quarter a quarter of myself to to enjoy to do my own thing well we can't quantify those measurements but if we're not seeking and striving to be filled with all that jesus is all of god's word we're saying that i'm just happy and content to have part of me still there and that's a choice that we'll all give an account for one day as we stand before our Heavenly Father. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.